Hello and welcome to Net That Hall. So this is the Double Game Week 29 show. It's uh, FPL Nima here joined with my co-host FPL Lens. How are you, Gabriel? Nima, life is grand. FPL, yeah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about our very different uh, feelings this game week. And I think Mariner <laughs> said it was his worst game week of the season, so he's glad he's not here today. <laughs> He's been sharing many highs in that top 100 chase. But um, for now, just to kind of get going, we're going to go, we're obviously a bit late, so sorry for the delay, guys. Um, we're ready to go now, and we're going to keep this episode short and snappy with the tight turnaround between game weeks. So we're going to probably go hour, hour 15. Uh, let us know in the live chat if there's anything you want to cover for specifically game week 29 and 30, if we miss it in the kind of topics we look at today. If you're new to the channel, obviously, please do hit like if you enjoy the show. Hit subscribe and do become a member. So we've just announced as well that we're going to do early access to the captaincy metric and all the algos in the community tab on YouTube. Um, obviously, this will remain free forever um, on the matchup show each week, but we're going to give it a couple of days maybe in advance for the haulers who sign up and support the channel's growth and help us make the you know the program even better for all of you. So moving on then, just straight into the philosophy of the week, I think, Gabe, um, if we want to go there. Yes, here we go. Let's. Um, so um, this week we uh, we continue our ode to to Women's History Month with a quote from another female philosopher. Um, this week it's uh, Hypatia that comes to us. She was a she was an Egyptian astronomer um, and mathematician. So this quote um, goes as follows: To understand the things that are at our door uh, is the best preparation for understanding those that lie beyond. So to understand the things that are at our door is the best preparation for understanding those that lie beyond. And uh, to me, th this quote is about process. And I think we, we can best and most quickly understand what is in front of us instead of things that are a little bit further away as far as time. Um, so if we understand like what's, what's in our immediate vicinity, what we're seeing game week to game week, right? Then we can branch out and develop more complex uh, like thoughts by linking them through time. And I think this is the best way to account for the only universal constant, which is change. By looking at the present and comparing it with the past, we see what the delta is, and then we can account for the, for change in our decision-making. Yeah, no, I think th this is definitely an interesting one for me. So um, I, I can kind of, from an FPL perspective, just taking it back to FPL for me specifically, um, this is something that I've kind of this week, I feel like I've been on the right side of a lot of variants and obviously others have not. So as happy as I am with my high game with score, um, I know there was weeks where it went very against me, like the week when people had kind of Bruno captain and I didn't. So I feel very fortunate to be on the right side of that. Um, with that in mind, would you say it's utter madness then that say like someone like Coutinho, I've brought him in, I've captained him. Is it is it okay to bench him in game week 29? Is it okay to sell him? to a double game weaker and um, even mm. though he has a fixture in 30 so these are kind of things i'm looking at so for me it's like um i know what i've got and part of me is kind of like well i got what i needed out of him i'm not going to want him long term and i want to move on and i think that there's other opportunity elsewhere so i feel like let the others buy him i've kind of got the points and i'll run to the hills but um what, what do you think because this that's a great question and, and it's a great application of fpl philosophy to actual fpl um and i and i wrote a little something on on uh, coutinho so i think um those that brought coutinho in certainly those that captain him were extremely lucky and here's what i mean by this 
You guys had no idea that he was going to play the nine. Let's be honest. Did, I didn't hear anybody say, I'm getting Coutinho because he's going to play the nine. And he played both the nine and the false nine for Villa. And and then and then we had Watkins on the left, right? But he wasn't wide left. He was inside left. And then we, we had Ings inside right. And I think this combination, that triangle in there, Coutinho drops, Coutinho moves forward. When Coutinho drops, Watkins and Ings, they come together, and it's almost like a front two, and then the midfield becomes a diamond. And that kind of shape-shifting from Villa, we, had, we hadn't seen. And so that, that was brand new. So I think Coutinho's hauls could be sustainable because it seems okay, like it's, so, it's so something from a system. That this isn't going like, to be a one-off flash in the pan either. I don't think so because it's 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 from it's the result of a system. Now I say I, I say you're lucky with the pick because no but none none of us knew that this system was going to result in this way. Hmm. But it was a good pick as well. And so I think one is, thing I will say, yeah. So for me, like um Ramsey was someone who I was gonna get and I had to like get over my kind of um predisposed decision to do that and be like, you know what, like if I get Ramsey, that's not someone I would captain. And I'd seen that like Ramsey had done well, but he does well every once in a while in a game where he gets a double digit haul. But hmm. with Coutinho, I felt like um, there was a very interesting thing I read. So this is actually stats was kind of thrown to the side for me, as you say. I didn't know what system they were going to play, but it was just quotes from the manager. And there was a really great piece I read and it convinced me for the captaincy. Maybe it was just a confirmation bias I needed, but it essentially said that he was kind of the happiest he's been and he's finally happy to be playing football again. And the, the most telling part was the coach said, now he's finally fully fit, which implied that like prior to the fixtures this game week, he wasn't actually fit yet. So he'd not, you know, he'd not played for a long time and it had taken a few games to even get fully fit and to start to be happy and to enjoy life mm. there. And now they're talking about obviously making a bid for him and trying to keep him permanently. So for me, that kind of idea of like where he was in his headspace, where he was mentally, where he was physically, he was at his peak fitness. And this is someone who played with him in the team mm, before back in mm -hmm. Liverpool, you know. So I'm like, okay, like this is, um, it was similar to the whole kind of um, situation with Ben Rahma, right? At the start of the season, there's always that look for these mm -hmm. little like just presses. I love reading the press quotes and I'm like, ooh, something sounds spicy here. People haven't quite picked up on this. Like Coutinho mm. wasn't fit before, but he's fit now, just this week. I and, like when you, you know, get psychological. Yeah, no, so I, yeah, I love that. And the <laughs> other thing I would say is with Coutinho, I even made the point that his numbers, they were saying it was great over, say, a six-week spell, but that was because he had one good game against Leeds mm. and, like, a good 20-minute cameo against United. So, really, in all those fixtures, he only had one great fixture where he performed. But then I thought, but then he played Southampton and Leeds. So, you know, there's nothing to lose here. Like, <laughs> if we're saying, you know, his numbers weren't great and the fixtures outside of Leeds, Leeds aren't going to get better. And kind of hearing about how the new coach wasn't going to necessarily suddenly make them defensively sound overnight and his system would still be relatively attacking. I thought, great. Like, why not target Leeds, you know? So, and, and here, here's the other thing. And, and for, for managers like myself, that we went the Ramsey route, right? Mm. The, the, this Coutinho's performance also meant that there was no need, nor were there any real holes for Ramsey to run into. So, so Coutinho, like hauling in that way, really just destroyed any any value as far as SPL is concerned that Ramsey had, and and that was like the like the double whammy for for some people. Um, so you know that it's it's 
it's variants like that, like just little tweaks and, and things that have changed, things this game week that have changed. And then to go to Leeds, I thought, you know, Leeds were actually not as bad as I thought they were going to be. And and I have to give them credit because um, I, th- I think they're showing some tactical awareness in terms of implementing Jesse Marsh's system. But I think Jesse Marsh is also, you know, what we had, I, I, last week with uh, FPL Tornado, I talked about how Leeds will, if they if they go the full Jesse Marsh way, they'll be over committing to the ball to winning the ball back, and everybody would shift, and the and the defenders would be one v one. Now, in the in in the goals against Villa, um, it was I mean, Stuart Stuart Dallas was absolutely atrocious. Dallas and Ailing, who were two leaders last season, they've been terrible all season, and then I think that they're a big reason why why Leeds are are suffering. And but it was those one v ones that that they they just got beat. And um, but as far as a system goes, I think I'm impressed. I thought Jesse, I thought it would go much worse as a system because they're what they're doing is they're plugging gaps instead of moving to win the ball, and then they're trying to capitalize on mistakes uh, rather than committing too hard. No, no, that, that, I think that, that was a really nice segment, actually, having an intro to his management style on the last episodes. Um, before we go into kind of the longer range FDR and stuff, I thought let's just give a quick few shout outs on the show. So we actually have Craig P, who's a new member as well. So thanks for subscribing and supporting the channel. Um, evening to Mike Halpin as well, friend of the show. We've got Blue Danube guy, Ramanathan. We've got Blue Nicks. Sadly, it's coffee today, actually. No champagne. Um it's a very late start. I want to try and still be awake by the end of the show. Um, Davindra Raj, good to see you, mate. FPL Trini, another friend of the show. We've got FPL Tom Jones as well. Evening, mate. Um, he's actually heading to bed, so I think he's going to watch it later. And he asks about Rafinha to Kulisevsky, which we will cover in mm-hmm. timestamp. So um, there's definitely some potential Rafinha sellers out there. Um, he does face Norwich, obviously. So I don't know about that. Um, Do I'm not sell before him. Norwich. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would. Um, Although Trini jumped then, up to three k this this week, so maybe wow, I should listen to Trini. Maybe he knows yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that we got Akib as well. Hi to you, mate. Um, Ante. Um, I think Tom Jones is also a member. Actually, he's just subscribed as well, so that's yeah. why he's got the badge on his YouTube account. Um, a couple more shout outs. We've got Will Wood. Good to see you. And oh, I see. Yeah. So the talk Ante is still mentioning on the philosophy of the week for the podcast listeners. Um, <laughs> I know Mariner always talks about the guy still being on the toilet, but um, for me, it's just that's kind of where philosophy begins. So I don't question it, but I don't Man, know. I, I, so. Way back, there was an episode I told Mariner that. So the inspiration for the guy on the toilet was uh, when when I was in university, I wrote one of my philosophy papers about that, about the experience of um, uh, pontificating on life while sitting and having a bowel movement and how that movement creates a mental movement. <laughs> so, so that, that's where that comes from. <laughs> There's the, at least it's got a background and um, it, there is some context to uh, the photo. I always wondered where he came from. No, I'm yeah. glad I found that out. That was definitely worth finding out. Um, I got an A I'm on that paper, he... which which is good for, for those that aren't on the letter system. <laughs> so he didn't get a bad game week then, actually. So he's just uh, pontificating on life. Yeah, but I got a bad game week. So <laughs> I'm sure um, we, we, won't, we won't go to a system where we put our ranks on the screen. I don't think it will be one of those shows. Um, this season, it might be fun. Mariner might think it would be great to say he's top 58 in the world. But then imagine one season where like 800K or 1 million. I don't know if I can go through a season with that number just next to my name every week, week after week, like 
every time I've had a bad game week, seeing that would put me off streaming. I think. Um, so I think that could be the perfect cure. <laughs> like I'll only put my my game week rank my game week rank on the screen if I'm over a million. If I'm under yeah, a million, I'm not going to show digits, it. I'm not going to show it. Only seven I'm digits and above. Team for the ID, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm this is what, what not ID. to do. <laughs> so we won't do the um, mini this week, obviously. But just to say that the top five in it currently, including Mariner, who is fourth, they're all in the top 150 in the world. So it's very competitive. And I think top manager at the moment, um, he's actually sitting at 26th in the world in the league. So we'll do a full league update in one of the future episodes. But um, we thought today we'll just swiftly move on to the um, the key questions of the game week. So. As I was saying, um, obviously, we've got the FDR and Long Range Game Week 32 here for the podcast listeners, um, in case you can come back and watch on the YouTube to see the graphic. Um, the teams we're probably going to focus on and the matchups we're really interested in this week are kind of Arsenal and Tottenham primarily because they have the double and they do have a fixture in Game Week 30. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, they're, they're a very big option there. I think most people already have Trent and Salah, so we'll be debating if any of the matchups maybe suit one of the third assets over the others. And then I think beyond that, there'll be a bit of chip strategy. So again, some people will be navigating 29 with free hits, uh, wild cards or bench boost. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if there's certain teams or matchups you should be targeting based on which chip strategy you're going down for the rest of the season. So um, yeah, I think just to go right into it then, um, Arsenal is up there. Um, I, I assume you would agree that the number one pick would be Saka. Um, I think he is now the most transferred in after obviously people realised the 200,000 who bought Reese James early and realised he's out. Um, I think they're probably selling him now for a minus four. But um, it was nice, again, to see like everyone diverging different paths and early transfers being punished like they used to be. Um, it makes my heart tingle. And I'm <laughs> sorry for my that. friends who got priced out. But, you know, it's a risk. That's why we play. I live for this. So, I mean, Saka is, is clearly, yeah, the I mean, a, a cut above, right? And he's a he, he's a phenom. I, I do have some. Um, so there, there's and I, and I think I'll, I'll get to Saka a little bit more later. Um, I, I wanted to ask you some questions just in, in terms of some of the other players. Right. Um, one thing I noticed that is is Uruguard Gundogan. So, yeah, it's an interesting debate. Um, he, he could do that role. But but I think with him, he's definitely more of um, a playmaker. Like, he is starting to pop into the box for those goals, as you say. Um, he is starting to show that position and that intelligence. I would say that actually him and Saka, they are the two most important attackers now in the entire team. So they're the two that, like, Ben Foster on his channel, he was saying afterwards, you know, these are Champions League players. Like, the desire they have to score, the quality they have when they were in my box. Like, they can't do anything against them. We're a relegation team. It was very frank. It was quite refreshing to hear a Premier League winning veteran mm. goalkeeper say this stuff. So I was like, wow, like the Arsenal are in a much better situation than I thought. So for me, like he would be someone who I would be very interested in as a third attacker this week, Odegaard specifically. Um, Lacazette, like he is an option. Um, he has had the most assists since like the turn of the year of any player, I think, in the forward line. But overall, for me, just the price difference is nearly three million cheaper for Odegaard. And the fact that I think he is as nailed on as it's going to get now. Um, You've still got kind of the risk there with Martinelli, who's similar price. So Martinelli could still lose that spot to Smith Rowe. And therefore, I think Odegaard, for me, like he's the one you want to double up with Saka. And I'm someone who on wildcard, I've got double defence and Saka. Mm. And I'm actually very unhappy about that because I don't really think these two fixtures are great for Arsenal defensively. And I would much rather have the double attack. And um, I was considering trying to get a Martinelli or an Odegaard. Um, and that's why I asked the Coutinho question earlier. 
So I was looking at kind of Ben White to Robertson, Coutinho to Martinelli. I could just about afford that for a hit. Then James got ruled out. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of going to have to just keep White. I can't get to Robbo straight from um, James. My pre kind of my pre-plan was to get to Van Dyke. So I'm just going to have to go to Van Dyke now because it just seems obscene to take like a minus eight off a wild card to then kind of say move Coutinho, um, White and James to something like Rakulian, <laughs> um, you know, um, bloody Robbo and Martinelli. So that's a massive hit, right? And I mean, one thing I noticed with Arsenal, and correct me if I'm wrong, like if, if I were on free hit, I would probably look, I would look at this option given, given their matchups. So Arsenal have two home games, which is really nice. And they're Leicester and Liverpool. And so obviously the, the Leicester has been playing better. I think Schmeichel has been playing better, right? Um, and, and Liverpool, I mean, we, we all know who Liverpool are, and they're they're not easy to score on, but they can be exploited. Um, but what I see on that right-hand side, I, I see Arsenal very much favoring that right-hand side tactically when it comes to the attack. And and that, that triangle of Odegaard, Saka, and Lacazette, I think, is is their strength. I just and, thought I put that up while you were talking about the the right hand so, side up at the zone. So N- Nima has just put up the uh, the uh, zonal matchups, which is the next slide, and we can ping pong back and forth here in a little bit. And then and the matchup on that right hand side for game week twenty nine is four point one um, against Leicester, and then two point nine against against Liverpool. Um, against Liverpool is better in the center, but I think that's probably because Liverpool have rotated their center mids and sometimes have been vulnerable down the center uh, this season um, in in that area, but. That I, I I don't think the left side is appealing at all for for Arsenal and and I think the the best trio like if I were to triple up on Arsenal for the double it would be those three I think Lacazette because there aren't any other strikers all all the forwards are terrible and what what's happening so we 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 ridiculed Mariner for his Lacazette call a couple of weeks ago well he's I, been I, hauling I every did. week <laughs> and he's and he's hauling and, and so I went back and um like. It's it's interesting what what Arsenal are doing, and and it's they're they're also playing with those inside wingers, the the inside forwards. So Saka on on the right, and if it's uh, Smith Rowe or or Martinelli on on the left, and and now it's so, so the thing is, I think what Arteta has realized the the less times Lacazette touches the ball, the better. So now he he shows up, he's given the ball, and it's one touch to somebody else, one touch to somebody else. Maybe two touches, maybe a turn, but usually when if he if he takes two or more touches, then the attack usually breaks down. Let's be honest. But that one touch play, if if the if the movement is good, which it has been recently, like I said, is has been really good at that, and that's that's where he's getting his assists. He's not necessarily like creative. He's not creating himself. He's just being what the team needs him to be, and and the, and the players yeah. around him are are finishing. Yeah, I think he's bringing out everyone else around him, like allowing them to kind of thrive. Um, something else, I guess, and Mike Halpin, friend of the show, says um, it is a very good point. Since, since kind of Cedric's been forced in at right back, um, we've not felt a solid back there with Tommy Asu missing for the last four or five uh, matches. So in that scenario, something I had noticed, and I didn't quite put it down to what he was saying, but it makes sense now, is I felt really happy that we'd kind of been less reliant on Tierney as the only way we create chances in the mm-hmm. team. And when you look at game week one, that fixture against Brentford and everything was just basically Tierney running into the box and that was the tactic and 30 crosses or something. Um, instead, we're not relying on just the pure mathematics of just throwing 30 crosses in and hopefully you get enough XG for a goal, which is what Arteta was implying back then. 
rather than wanting to play good looking football. And now I think we're playing attractive football and we have lots of options. Um, and and kind of the, the thing here I want to say is he's saying that essentially Tierney's sitting much further back and he's sitting deeper now um, mm-hmm. because Cedric is the one bombing up and down that right-hand side. So we need Tierney to be more solid. So maybe that's also part of why that left wing isn't looking as appealing. Um, I know Martinelli did obviously score, but he, he's not necessarily like been scoring in the same vein as, say, a Saka. Yeah. So I think definitely I'd be looking at Saka, Odegaard and Lacazette as my three. Um, one thing I do think is interesting, and it's, he's not an FPL option, so we won't go into it for too long, is I think um, Granit Xhaka has been reinvented slightly as a kind of an eight left centre mid role as well. So yeah. he's been, when we were talking about Gundogan earlier, and he's kind of two eights. I think there's no surprise, essentially, that Thomas Partey is like, he was our player of the month. He's, I, I'd say, arguably, he's been one of the best, if not the best central midfielder in the Premier League in 2022. Um, I don't think that's a bold claim to go that far. Um, you know, you mentioned that we have 25 out of 30 points, so tied with City in the last 10 matches for kind of the most formed teams in Europe. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, like, I look at all of that and I just think, well, you know, Party has essentially come in. He wasn't supposed to be that lone six or a pivot by himself. He's become that. He started playing at the level he should since the turn of the year. And then Xhaka's also playing this new kind of free-roaming eight role which is helping bring more into the game. And, you know, I'm surprised we've looked solid despite Tommy Asu out. Now, obviously, summer, there's a long way to go till then and top four race looks very competitive. But um, overall, I think we have some of the best fixtures coming up. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a couple of tough away games against Spurs and Chelsea, I believe, that need to be rescheduled. But apart from that, most of our games are home. So stuff like Leicester and Liverpool, where they're tougher games, they're at the Emirates, which has been a stronghold. Um, so I'm very confident of going there, watching the fans raise the team. And I think overall, like, I, I can't imagine going into this game without free Arsenal assets. So it's like, that would be like the first players I'd get. And because the fixtures aren't great, I can't imagine why you'd ever go and get, like, say, White or Tierney in this scenario. I'm stuck with White. I'm just going to have to ride it through. But I will be pivoting at some point to kind of double attack and just keep Ramsdale properly for me. But that's kind of Arsenal. And I would say just final thought is, I do think if there is a clean sheet to come, it will be against Leicester. And obviously with Vard, you've ruled out as well. That makes me far more confident. Um, Because Ramsdale gave another interview, as you know, I'm an interview man. And he said the toughest striker he's ever played against is, um, without a doubt, Jamie Vardy. And this was days before Vardy's injury. And he was like, you know, I've played Vardy five times and he scored against me four times or something. And I was like, Hmm. fantastic. And you're playing him next week. Why are you giving this interview, Aaron? So... (laughs) Thank God for that. But um, yeah, no, I think that Arsenal is pretty straightforward in that sense. And should we go to Tottenham then? Because I know that obviously they're a team that you would think that you were the gooner of the pod because you're almost just as anti-Tottenham as I would be, uh, maybe more. Um, I say that based on kind of the fact that I've seen your kind of Game Week 29 plans roughly and there doesn't seem to be much uh, Lily White in there in the jerseys. Well, so... so... Tottenham are, are a funny bunch, and, and there's a reason why, um, <laughs> why, why I, I never liked them very much. I mean, let, let's go to like so that so they smashed Everton, right? Um, Son, Son, that first goal, Son's goal, Pickford's just terrible, right? The the people are lauding, you know, uh, Kulusevsky, he's so creative. Oh my god, he's he's transformed the team. I don't know about that. I think I think people have to hit pause on. <laughs> you know, I think people have to hit hit pause on the uh, 
on the, on the, on the Kulusevsky love, you know, Kane's Kane's goal, I think for, for the second came off a Kulusevsky, like really awful touch in midfield where it bounced off his thigh, went too far away from him. He has no control, but they pick it up somehow. And it ends up in a Kane goal where, where honestly it wasn't a very good shot either. He's like leaning really far over like, like come on, you should save that shot. Um, you know, um, Reguilon comes on at halftime despite Sessegnon looking good. I was confused about that. Reguilon's cross, um, or no, Reguilon's goal came from a, actually like it was a pretty poor Kulusevsky cross. He, Kulusevsky crosses across the box. And and this is like when I did my my scouting report on him, this, this is one thing I said is like when he hits the ball, he hits it really flat. He leans and it's always with the inside of his foot and it always goes further inside than, than he tends for it to go. But I mean, let's be honest. Like, like Everton were just so incredibly bad. Like their defense was just so putrid that that they could take advantage of it. And that ball goes from Kulusevski over to Reguilon. I think it's quite fortunately um, because of the level of opposition they were playing. So, I so here, here's what I say. What my conclusions are about Spurs is, and and I've brought um, I, I've brought another Spurs player in, but I'm not bringing Kulusevski in. <laughs> I refuse. So, well, maybe not. Um, the, the movement is much better on, on the team. And Kulusevsky is not great. He's been a, a little bit lucky, but he's been in good positions to be lucky. So I have to grant him that. But that, I, I, have, to, I have to say, in, in my opinion, that that is thanks to Antonio Conte. He's, 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 he knows how to coach him. He, um, you know, the, coming from Juventus, he um, he's directed him well, and Kulusevsky's been in some great positions, and he's incredible value. I, I think he's at six point one now. Still, in, million, still amazing yeah. value for he's four point seven million cheaper than Sun, right? Yeah, exactly. That's so a that big it's, difference. It's a huge difference, and he's getting similar production. And if if the movement remains the same, the you know if it, with the same efficiency, then then I think Kulusevsky could could still do well. But I'm not I'm I'm not jumping on the Kulusevsky's a really great creative player bandwagon myself. Well, well I got him on the wild card, but I, I essentially benched him um, knowing that he would be part of my uh, team this week in game week 29 and part of kind of helping me towards my bench boost. Um, I am happy he got the points, I guess. Um, 10 points on the bench, you know, like lost seven on someone like Rafinha or Broho who I played instead. Um, but I was never going to really bench the double game weaker for him. Um, my only worry was that with Mura kind of potentially coming in and taking that spot, but my, my thought was that, you know, Conte went and got this guy and it's his man and it's one of his first signings for the club. And I thought, you know, really like this is his place to lose. And what I love about him as an FPL asset specifically then, so, cause you've obviously talked more about him as a footballer, um, is that he's so selfish and it reminds me of Diego Jota a bit. So I really want a kind of asset that they're just going to, essentially like whenever they're there and they've got the opportunity to go for it, they're not going to actually try to help the team. Like they're going to try to help the team by individually getting the goal. Mm. They don't, they don't really care for the, they're not a Mesa Ozil type um, who takes perhaps more satisfaction in creating the opportunity. Um, so for me at 6 million, like that just seems insane value. Um, I had son when I wildcarded, I moved to Kane with the lack of forwards. As you say, I thought Kane was fantastic. Um, you know, he's doing great. He's really starting to, play like his kind of previous season's uh, levels. He, he's definitely kind of come back stronger. So I'm very happy with Kane as an option. He's obviously a captain option. We'll discuss him in the captaincy metric section. But um, 
and, Besides and for, that, for the record, I, I think I think he's he's he is a good FPL asset. I, I think he'll continue to to produce. I just and I don't like him so much from a technique perspective as a as a footballer. And granted, he is young, although he's still a, at least a year older than Saka. Yeah, I think, but but I realized the hard way that I think Saka, like we just expect him to like perform every game now and. The fact that when he does, we don't make a big deal about it anymore is actually testament to him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really shocked at how good he is because even Smith Rowe is one year older than Saka. So really, you know, Saka is, um, I think he is currently like the leading teenager in Europe for um, under 21s with goals and assists for contributions. He's got 13, I believe. And I think Smith Rowe is second up there with him with like 11 and um, mm-hmm. Phil Foden is third. And then I think it's actually Martinelli again who shows up in fourth. So lovely to see three of the Arsenal youth who are playing week in, week out uh, in the top five best young forwards in the entire leagues of Europe. So You always have the best Arsenal stats just ready to go. and Like, oh, and by the way, go. this is another good Arsenal stat. Who would have thought? Would have thought um, no, but I think for me, the other thing I like about Kulu, just something I will say, is when I was looking at him on the wildcard, again, as I say, the fear was the benching, and then I thought he's Conte's man. He's selfish. I love that he's selfish. I thought to myself, you know, people are questioning to me, like, oh, you know, is he a rotation risk? And I thought, is Sun not an equal rotation risk to Kulusevsky then? Because from what I've been watching last few games, like, Sun's obviously had some returns, but I don't think he's looked great. And actually, mm. like, one of the goals he got right at the end of the previous game, not this one, but the one before, it was when I think Kulusevsky got subbed off. So it was essentially like when that space that he was selfishly taking for himself finally became open for Sun to even get into the opportunity. Personally, I would have liked Son and Kane, but it didn't give me the balance I needed for the bench boost and for the team I want going forwards. And I thought Kane overall was the pick I want because there's so many mm-hmm. midfielders I want, but there's not that many forwards. And Kane, I would probably captain um, in a weird manner, whereas Son, you would probably want to captain. But I think he's got as many rotation question marks with his current form as Kulusevsky would do, and therefore for nearly five million less. Um, I don't. It I just don't, seems like I think they've mispriced him. Essentially, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if if Kulusevsky is going to be nailed in this way, I think they priced him because of the fear of rotation with Lucas Moura. Yeah. But but I don't I don't think I think Kulusevsky. There's more of a fear of rotation with Kulusevsky than than with Son for sure because Son Son brings you things that Kulusevsky just can't bring, right? And then no, the, that course. that that goal at the end, that assist from Kane, um, you know, from 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 deep, um, Son can always pull that out always get behind a defender and and his fitness is incredible so so i, I don't think son i think son is definitely a fixture kulusevsky seems to be a fixture as well though they may be they may be there may be no risk of rotation there and, and lucas mora is it's just a you know a, a backup so i, yeah, I think t- time time will tell on on that front and time will tell if kulusevsky gets found out um i'll be curious to see Very if uh, if a solid defensive midfielder can make him go um more horizontal than than vertical and and stop those shots we'll see we'll so, see so speaking of conte and kind of the praise to his system obviously we know that wingbacks are a vital cog in many of the things he does especially back when that he came and kind of took chelsea to that title as well and you know he won a premier league with victor moses playing wingback um and my, my fan kind of fun fact for the day is that victor moses actually went to my high school and he was a few years younger and i remember he was a palace boy and Palace kind of covered his fees to come to the school and he went on and went to loan to multiple clubs in the Prem. Years and years he played for different Prem clubs on loan and out of nowhere he just came back to Chelsea and won a title with them and, and was a core fixture in that team. So similarly, what I would have loved to talk about today is Cessignon and how he kind of came into Gregory on space. But 
now we've heard the injury news that he's potentially out for kind of up to four weeks. And so I think the next question now will kind of come down to Spurs defence because really I think Kane is a must-target potential captain for this week. He does now have the fixture at 30. He has lovely fixtures from 31 to 33 where he's very likely to double in. So it's like Spurs and Arsenal both in that regard are great options. I think I've got triple from both from both teams. That's six of my team for the next two fixtures. But for others who aren't quite there yet, I think I would still be targeting the Spurs attacker. So let's say you don't have Kane, he'd be priority one. Mm-hmm. Then I think for me, it's Kulusevski is the second just because of that saving, yeah. what I can do with that elsewhere. Son, he's a fantastic player. I'm not questioning that, but just the price saving for me is too incredible to pass up. Yep. Um, and then finally, then that leaves, do you target the third Spurs defender? Do you actually go for the defence? Because I, I have Davies. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think people are now actually thinking between Doherty and obviously Regulion with the Sessignon news. Um, so I think what we should look at is potentially Regulion versus um, Doherty and whether you have any thoughts on that. I'm stuck with Ben Davies. Um, I, I couldn't get Doherty either way because then I wouldn't have enough money in the bank for my um, upgrade for mm. Gaming 29's bench boost. So, you know, you can't have them all. I wanted Coutinho over Ramsey. I wanted Jimenez over Adams. So, like, you know, I spent my money. I splurged my cash. Um, I had to make compromises somewhere. So hopefully Ben Davies outscores uh, all the other Spurs defenders. You heard it here first. <laughs> Pick Ben Davies, sinking that ship with me. Um, you know, but real talk, I think the wing-backs is who I'd go for then, just speaking of Conte and his system. And I think I'll wait to see who you think. But for me, like Doherty at his price, I'm going him over Reguilon all day Um I've seen what he's capable of previously. Obviously, it was a very different team for Wolves back then. But for me, he's what we call FPL pedigree. And um, I think you've got to be careful that you've got to decide, are you picking them based on previous FPL pedigree, like a Coutinho or a Dotti, or is it a nostalgia pick? You've got to know when is the when is the time to determine, is this so, nostalgia so what's or the, is it? How do you do that? So the, what's the difference? So I would I would argue that Coutinho wasn't nostalgia, hence the biggest green arrow of my season. <laughs> and similarly, I would say that Doherty isn't nostalgia. Um, obviously, people have now got their eyes on him. I'm very upset that they've got their eyes on him. I was hoping Spurs wouldn't have done much in that game, so people would fly to him. Um, but for me, um, I think it has to be Doherty over regular, just because of the price saving as well. I've become more frugal these days in my later FPL seasons. Um, I've, I've done I've, I've done it too many times, spend lots on the player, play them this one week, and then many weeks I don't need them. They're on my bench, and mm. they're way more expensive than they needed to be. Um, also, I just think when I watched Doherty, I think he was even unfortunate not to get more. There was a point at which someone looked up in the box to pass it to someone, and he was the player there waiting. So, you know, <laughs> I, I love that kind of mentality. It's a bit like an, a mini Alonso, right? Uh, regularly on, on the other hand, I just, I've seen a few games where... Um, Let's just say that he's made many crosses or attempted crosses is the right word and it's not really got anywhere. Um, he's a great option if you want to take a punt and double up. I don't hate that move. If you want Kane, Doherty and Reguilon, I think that's sexy. So you could dodge Kulusevski and get that double defence. But for me, it's the kind of the Kane, Kulusevski and Doherty is the three is the ones I'd be going for. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that they don't, I mean, so far the Spurs only have one wing back who's been able to cross this season and that's Doherty recently <laughs> everyone else has just been a disaster Emerson Royale and Reguilon on the left I mean Reguilon has been benched this season right just because he hasn't played well um Doherty's taking taking advantage of his opportunity but it but I don't think he comes without risk you know he's there's, I think there's definitely risk there because he's not a great player I think at, at the beginning of the season it 
we were all making fun of anybody talking about Doherty. And he hasn't all of a sudden become this great player. So so I think right now it's it's, it's he's a decent maybe ride that upside, you know, get in there and ride that upside, could see some some rank gains. But it's probably a uh, a pick that you, not not a long term pick. No, I, I, I tend to agree, and I think um, Nick's in the com- chat. He's saying he won't play Everton every week, and I think that's yeah. very true. Um, we're just speaking of Everton. Um, obviously, Spurs' history against them, Kane's own history against them is incredible. But um, generally speaking, I you know I question um, in what universe does Frank Lampard have any kind of I, I guess what's the word like credentials? I was going to say credibility. <laughs> Maybe it's both credibility and credentials. In what world does he have either credibility or credentials to be kind of there and doing that job? Um, I think that that's what happens when you've had a fantastic playing career and no mm-hmm. doubt about that and his incredible records there. But as a manager, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. Um, and obviously they're in massive trouble. Um, they've made massive losses over the last three to five years as a club and the transfer saga has been outrageously badly planned out. And there's talks of them being docked points as like the first ever Prem club to like, do so because of like not hitting the maximum loss per year over a three-year stretch i think they've lost like 250 mil in losses in like three years and you're not meant to lose like over 180 million or something so you know also Usmanov, who was a part owner of arsenal thank god he moved over to everton he's also now had his assets frozen just like abramovich so Mm -hmm. you know like i look at all this and i think damn everton like you know, everything you've done is like how not to spend money. Like if Newcastle want to look at a club and look at how you shouldn't spend five years in funds, watch Everton and don't do what they did. Here's a question from uh, Khaled Badaki. Uh, Doherty and Allison or Robertson and Loris? Mm, see, I, see, I don't like Allison's price point at all. Like I think I had that mm-hmm. price. I would just get Van Dyke. Um, he's perfectly capable of a couple bullet headers or generating bonus. Um it is one of the best defenses in the league, obviously. And with that in mind, though, obviously he's got Robertson and Larice there. And I assume um, you like who is your second goalkeeper? Because you know, like I'd, I'd love to kind of figure out when else would you play Larice apart from game week twenty nine and game week thirty. Like if you already have a game week thirty goalkeeper, for instance, like a Ramsdale or a Saar, then I don't think I'd be going down that route. Um, hmm. I, I don't know if like who say on a free hit. Also, tell us in the chat. Yeah, on oh, on a free hit this week. Um, hmm, that is a very good question. Um, for me, I'd go for Edward Mendy to be honest. Chelsea against Newcastle. I think I would go there. Hmm, not a doubler, really. No, I don't really like them. Um, I've got Ramsdale. I've got Dubravka. I'm bench boosting with four of their fixtures, and you know, if I get two points times four and get eight points. And don't lose points for goals conceded from the pair of them. I'd mm. consider that eight points from them a success. And so, you know, like I'm not hot on the kind of Lloris and Allison just because of the double, and especially because Allison's going to ride your bench in 30. Um, oh, he yeah, is free hit. And if if it is free hit, and, and just kind of relating this to the FDR here in front of us for the podcast listeners, we have the Spurs away to Man United with an FDR defensive FDR of minus one point four. So really, not not very good. And then we have um, in the double away to Brighton, uh, 1.0, which is fine. Um, but I, what I don't like about about Spurs, especially defensively, is is uh, two away matches. It just that makes a that, big that deal to me. Yeah, it doesn't scream defensive anything. So I would probably, 
I would look for a different combination, I guess. I'm not happy with either of those combinations. Yeah, I think for me, like the Spurs defense, the only part of it I like is the attacking upside of the wing backs. Right. And then in that scenario, you're kind of then losing out on potentially Robertson's potential. So it might be better to see like the full team. It's hard to isolate two positions without knowing the rest of the 15. Um, it might be that those two are the final locks because then you have a super crazy team thereafter. But do tweet us a picture of the actual squad. Um, he, so he is on, he says he is on free hit. And, and on free yeah. hit, I would go for upside and, and go for not, not get the, any of those goalkeepers, go for the, the attacking option, the attacking defenders, like you said there, Nima. Yeah, like I would be happy in your situation to get like even Pickford. I actually way prefer him as a free hit goalkeeper. Um, two home games. Wolves don't mm. really create much. Newcastle's the other one. Happy days. Like you get one clean sheet and some save points there. That's a double digit haul. And who the hell else in the world has Pickford, right? Like that mm. is ultimate differential punt chasing. Um, that's if you want like, to, that's who I'd be going for personally on free hit. Don't don't watch like any of those matches, but but um, but you can. Oh, don't watch them. Don't like, watch just them. Check the score <laughs> off there. It's way too much stress. Um, yeah, I think for me, like um. He's only 4.9 million or something, or 4.8 million. So that will maybe even let you have mm -hmm. Robertson and Doherty in the team. Um, but yeah, let, let us know how that's going on. So yeah. I think we talked about Spurs quite a bit. Um, the other team was Liverpool. I think they're, they're you know, a very important topic as well for this game. We need to just look at, and then we'll answer Harry's question about how many players are enough who have doubles this week. Um, I think obviously like some people have quite a lot of them um, and others are wondering whether they need to kind of wildcard or free hit to get more. Um, it's similar to me last week, Gabriel. So in game week 28, I had three doublers and one of them was Brandon Williams. And then like on the morning of like the day before the deadline, I wake up and I've got no signal. I've been in Scotland for like a week, no phone signal. I finally arrive at the city centre and I just see a yellow flag on Brandon Williams. And I'm like, this is it. I can't take this shit anymore. I was like, you know, even with my minus four, I'm going to have like four or five double game weekers. Then next week I might only have five or six in 29. And then I've only got like six players in game week 30, I was like, that's it. Like, I was adamant I'd save my wild card till game week 31 or 34. But at that point, I just had to make the decision of there is just so many points on offer that I'm not going to get if I don't go now. Like, I just have to go for it now and we'll figure out my problems later. I'll take hits later. And there's no point kind of just persisting as I was. And I'm still glad I didn't wild card in 26. Obviously, with the Salah triple captain that made my game week. So I'm very happy with mm -hmm. that. But I think overall, um, the Chelsea defensive assets and the Coutinho and the Kane move, like the way I was just going to just completely move out my team. I think many people, they could wildcard now to 29 if they have, say, two free hits and they could load up on teams that don't necessarily have a fixture in 30 as well. So I think mm. that's an op option there to think about. Um, that's something I do really like. Um, uh, Carl is convinced about Pickford. Um, if Pickford does get 10 plus points, um, I'm definitely going to, take credit for that one but um <laughs> and if he gets minus points i might oh. skip a few episodes uh, till, you, till you forgive me if he gets <laughs> minus you you pick the bad goalkeeper so so you get what you deserve well i heard from everton fans that they said they'd have been relegated without him so they say that we're all laughing at pickford but actually he's been like their best player of the season so god knows where they'd be if he'd not been performing as well as they say he has um and I say as well as they say he has because right, I exactly. never want to speak about any other club because it's just my opinion. Like I talk about Arsenal all day long, but if I'm insulting another club, um, I'd like to say words <laughs> their own fans use so that I can't be beaten with that stick later for a bad take. Um, hmm. I just blame their own fan base thereafter. 
but yeah, Ever Everton's matchups, yeah, to be fair, there's 0 0.8 and uh, against Wolves and 1.5 against against Newcastle. Really, really not bad defensively there. Um, you know, th there are a couple that are interesting, and I think I think it was Blunix that mentioned this in the chat. Check out Brentford's defensive matchup. 3.4 best in in um in that's crazy. Yeah, the, yeah, but the best, best defensive matchup in 20. Of a single match, I suppose. Like it's when you double up like some of the Liverpool and the other even, teams. Like even if you double. say you add the double up, right? I'm not sure if it works that way, but if even if you add it, it's still 3.4 is still the best, I think. Yeah, it's still <laughs> yeah. the best of the week. Brentford defense. So uh Mariner might, might take some some stick if uh if Burnley score, but um, somebody mentioned in the chat that yeah, a lot of people were piling up on Burnley attack. Um, hopefully, they've course corrected there. Speaking of Brentford, just on that note, um, it's incredible that the kind of the if you think about earlier to the season, the reverse of these fixtures that we're seeing for Brentford, they were the ones where everyone doubled up on Tony and Mbwemo and got nothing. Mm. But now, our friend of the show, obviously, who came on um, in the preseason <laughs> or a few weeks back, um, FPL Salah Abdul. He had Tony, and not only did he have him still, but he started him for a 17-point hat-trick. Um, hmm. He didn't have Chelsea defence, so he was just treading water, as he says. Like, Thank God something saved him. He's, he's having an incredible season up there with Mariner. But um, I was like, wow, Like, it's funny how the tables have turned because hmm. you know I have Broher. Um, he's not going to play in game week 30. And I'm thinking to myself, ooh, that could be interesting. You know, I only have nine players in game week 30, maybe a cheeky broker to Tony movers there. Maybe it's ready. Ooh. Like just make that move. And, you know, maybe he'll go, go crazy in game. Before. I think he plays Leicester, you know, are Leicester that good. And then we'll come to this topic later. But for me, I think um, if you have like anywhere from seven to nine players for game with 30, that's like probably fine to not free hit. Even like six players could be enough depending on which six I would be going top heavy and trying to get like, a full attacking seven. Um, yeah. Even upside, if you end up with zero upside. goalkeepers or defenders. Um, because for me, like, if you're going to take hits to buy those defenders from, you know, um, Villa against Arsenal or by Wolves as well against Leeds. Um, but then you've got Rafinha, you've got the Arsenal attackers. It's like whatever defender you buy, you've probably got the alternative attacker. And on top of it, you're taking a hit for it. I'd rather just get them for free the following week and mm -hmm. get that player next time. Because players... Um, now, so for Brentford specifically, I think that they're quite interesting. Someone actually said a few game weeks ago, why aren't we all talking about Brentford's great run? Like, why don't we buy their players? And I know they don't have doubles, but they have, um, you know, a fixture in game week 30. They have good fixtures before game week 30. Why aren't we buying Brentford players? I think we're all just scarred from that earlier stretch then, isn't it, really? I think that and, and the fact that there are no doubles. I mean, people are selling mm. City players because they're not doubling. Obviously, they're not going to have yeah. Brentford players. Cancelo's gone. Foden's yeah. gone. Yeah. So I, I think, think everybody at this at this point in the season is probably looking for some upside and looking to ride the, the, the wave of, of the double fixtures as much as possible. And and even even to the extent of just forgetting the the blanks. Like a lot of people in 30 are saying, look, I'm going to field six and so be it and moving on to the next double. So... I think I can, that's I why Arsenal that. Spurs that we spoke about, they are the kind of the key to getting through game week 30 because if you've got six of them, that's already kind of six players in game week 30. How many right? how many doublers do you have for 29, Nima? So I have nine of them at the moment. And when I sell James to Van Dyke, which I'll probably do, um, I'll have 10. So I'm looking mm -hmm. to have 10 doublers and bench boosts with five single game week players. But mm -hmm. my actual bench that I'm bench boosting would be a Dubravka. So obviously you've got Newcastle versus Chelsea and Everton away. You know, nothing special, but 
I would take four appearance points, maybe five if he gets saved. One fluke clean sheet against Everton, and I'm laughing, right? So, again, like, I take the Bravka Coutinho I have against West Ham away, so bench boosting him. Um, the other one is Jimenez away to Everton. Mm. Hopefully, Everton continue in the form they have. Um, and then finally, I have obviously Davies, as I mentioned, with his two fixtures for Spurs against mm-hmm. United and Brighton. So, for me, I'm like, you know, I've got two doublers on the bench in Dubravka and Davies. I'm really bench boosting them for their appearance points and I'm not expecting much more. Um, and then Jimenez and Coutinho, they're players that other people will have in their 11 for game week 29. So, you know, like I'm not going to bench them. And in my starting 11, I have the likes of Broha and Rafinha. They're probably the only two players I could bench for Jimenez or Coutinho. So either way, two of those four would be benched. And when else am I going to have two playing goalkeepers with four fixtures between them? Um, so I'm like, this is it. I just, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to so get this that... goddamn chip out of the way. Like, I don't want it for the rest of the season. Um, I want to build strong elevens going forwards. Yeah. So is is the double goalkeeper with the double double? Is that your trigger? Um, no, it's more just Coutinho um, in his current form and that interview mm. I said um, and being at his fittest, but also Jimenez. Um, he's kind of had the two games off the bench, like nine minutes and I think it was thirty minutes. And then on top of that, now he's finally started. He's got the goal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Everton look really bad. He plays Leeds in game week 30. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this looks okay. Like, th- this is a nice time. And again, like, you know, Rafinha's got Norwich. Bro has got Watford. I look yeah. at all these fixtures for my, like, cheap enablers around my team. And I think, yeah, like, game week 36 will be the biggest double of the season. And there will be 10 to 12 teams doubling. So you can probably get to it with free transfers. Like, you don't have to wildcard in game week 30 to prepare for 36 so you could even wildcard now you could wildcard in 31 you could use free transfers whatever but i'm actually looking at maybe free hitting in that week and getting 11 doublers then Mm -hmm. so that's why kind of my strategy was if i don't bench boost now i'll have to bench boost in 36 and well actually like i think i prefer the free hit then i've only got one and i'll try to navigate the rest of the season till then but yeah no i think yeah for this week i would say kind of seven doublers it's probably enough. Like, well, forget bench because just generally, if you had six or seven doublers this week, so you know, if you had say four to six Arsenal and Spurs players and two to three Liverpool players, mm-hmm. they're the ones I'd be targeting. Without a free hit of some kind or a pre wild card that's set up for this week, I would not be going into the other double teams. Like, I would not be going for Everton. I would not be going for um, Newcastle. Like, they don't, they don't even have a fixture, right? So in 30, so it's difficult. There's only three teams I can imagine you're buying from unless you're going to free hit in 30. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I have nine double game week players currently. And on my bench, I have Dubravka as well. And I have Rudiger and Thiago Silva against Newcastle. And and then uh, Ramsey, Jacob Ramsey. Um, I, and I'm not free hitting. I'm going to save it until 36. I could, I, I could, I think with those, um, with those players. You mean bench not, boost, right? I, oh yeah, sorry, bench boost. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm in bench boost. I'm in bench boost. Um, so, I, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that strategy pays pays off. Like the the bench boost this week and the free hit in 36. And some people are um, are free hitting this week and they'll bench boost in 36. And so yeah, that that that'll be interesting as far it's as strategy goes. I think I might still free hit thirty three. So one thing I will say is thirty three looks the more difficult to navigate mm-hmm. because there might be like a handful of blanks and then also some doubles, and then like the teams that blank in thirty they can't potentially be rescheduled to thirty three if they're in the semi final of the FA Cup. So 
then they're going to actually have to have their game week 30 fixture in 36. Um, City could have a great double in 36, so that would be nice for free hit. But really, if 33 ends up being harder to navigate, I think a free hit 33 is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And then I know a lot of people who are going to free hit 33, wildcard 34, bench boost 36. So that is also another very viable route. I think that's my favourite part of the season. Like We're actually starting to see not just variance, obviously, in the points this game week, but variance in the routes everyone's going in. And yeah. Even similar wildcard teams from last week, they're not going to necessarily all follow bench boost this week. Because I've seen teams that so and I think that's the key thing. Teams that have say Ramsey over Coutinho, like I do, or they have like an Adams instead of Jimenez, they're now actually potentially thinking of holding off their bench boost or taking a minus eight to activate it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm thinking maybe it is in my best interest to just get in VVD, get the tenth doubler, just bench boost and go. Because otherwise I'm gonna be benching, I'm definitely gonna be benching some points somewhere, and I'm sure I'll get it wrong. Like mm. someone there is I'm gonna get it wrong. Like why why VVD through, over Matip? I, I just want him um, because then I'm going to sell him the following week anyway. So I'm going to go for the most expensive asset I can afford. Um, mm. For me, it's just like I have that money now. I think I have 0.2 million buffer. And because I can't get to Robbo, I really like I, I really fancy VVD. Um, just speaking of the matchups and um, bringing it back to the metrics. Um, so for me, um, obviously, I'd like to think Arsenal can keep a clean sheet against them like they did with 10 men. But that's maybe wishful thinking with Mane and Salah back and Diaz now joined. But um at least against Brighton. Um, I think that's a very good clean sheet shot there for VVD. And I think it's the kind of game where the, the, he's going to kind of pass the ball a lot and accumulate bonus from those kind of actions in his baseline. And I'm also very confident of a goal for him. I don't know if I think it was Webster or someone, one of their kind of key centre-backs for Brighton was out last week. And I think that's actually quite important there. And I think VVD is going to bully their centre-backs and I'm kind of looking for a clean sheet in gold against Brighton, if I'm honest with you. Um, and I would kill for a nil-nil in that Arsenal-Liverpool game because um, I would have uh, four defensive assets in that match. I would have Ramsdale, White, Van Dijk and Trent. So, like, a nil-nil there. Oh, my God. You can't imagine what I would do. <laughs> be I, I, might, I might be... like that, that episode, it will be... The house will be burning in the background. My God. <laughs> but, no, I think for me, it's that whole Coutinho thing. Um, and it's not... And, and the Matip situation, I think if I was going to keep him all season, he'd someone I'd very much consider. Actually, a lot of the algos out there, they really like him as well, I've noticed. So, like, some of the algos are really putting him up there for, like, projected scores for the following final stretch of eight or nine games for the end of the season. Um, but, yeah, no, I really do like Matip, but I think as a purchase to hold. And for me, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going right. to hold VVD through the blank in 30. I'll probably right. sell him for, like, a Leicester defender. So, I'm hoping, like, James Justin's back or Fafana... You know, Amity is there. I don't really want him, but so th- there is some options. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, that, that's really it for me. It's as simple as just the money is there. I, I back him in this game. Um, and I know that Matip is very nailed. He's one of their best players for a couple of seasons now defensively. But really, like, I'm just kind of thinking to myself, like, VVD is like, the best defender in the Premier League, in my opinion. And I, I just can't look past that. It's like. Surely, like with the title chase fully being on now, there is no way VVD could be benched. Like I'm thinking at all. Like Matic probably no. can't be too, but just that extra certainty, like knowing that I'm not going to use that money for any other moves, and I'm then going to get the money back. And v- VVD week. has two headed goals in the last six. Matip doesn't have any. VVD has a couple more chances uh, from headers in the last six as well. Um, so I, I I get it. Like I think to your point, it's 
if, if you're going to keep him long term, I think Matip is definitely the the guy to get. But if but if you're looking for for upside, somebody that's not going to be in your team for for a while, and you can afford him, then you might as well go to the VVD, right? This is to protect me against essentially all the people who buy Doherty, Ragulion, and um, the other defender that I'm sure they're all going to buy. Um, who I've lost who it was now, but um, who was it? It was. It was the two Spurs boys and Robertson. Yeah, obviously. Robertson. I'm yeah. trying to, you know, get rid of him in my memory because I'm just 0.3 million short of him. He would be my preferred pick. Um, just on yeah. that note, I think Robbo, obviously we're talking about James to Robbo being a no-brainer. Um, we've said Trent and Salah are in every team. So for that third Liverpool spot, um, I'm talking about VVD. You have Matip. I think there is worthy conversation to be had about Diaz and mm-hmm. Jota, uh, the pair of them. But also about Robbo, and um, there was talks about, you know, is Simicass waiting and all this stuff. Um, I think personally, the game that Simicass would maybe play, if there was any, would actually be after the international break, game week 31. I think there's um, midweek UCL fixtures in the post weeks of 31 and 32 as well. So mm-hmm. I think for that very same reason, that's why I'd be selling James, because even if he's only out for one fixture in 29, blanks in 30, and supposedly he's back by 31. Are they going to really like give him more than cameos in game week 31 and 32 with UCL either side um, of those two weeks? I don't think so. So I think mm. James, definite sell. Robbo, if you can get there instantly, why not? On top of that, Robbo can then be your placeholder for Cancelo if you've already sold him. Right. So it's like, you know, Robbo can get to Cancelo very easily, even at the increased price points. So yeah, I think Robbo is the guy, but just I can't get to him and therefore VVD or Matip are the ones we're talking about. But um what do you think about Diaz then? So like a double attack over, so just getting Trent Salah and Diaz. And do we think Diaz is nailed? He's a baller, that's for sure. I mean, he's a dog out there, and he's amazing to watch. I, I think he's an incredible addition to the team. I don't, I don't know that he's nailed though. I mean, you could see him rotating with Jota. Uh, is is it worth the risk when you have so many other kind of reliable picks from one of the best teams in the league? I th- I don't think you risk you risk that spot. I think the Liverpool spots are the the best teams in the league. You get the players that are you know that that will play. They all have upside. So so I don't think you need to be chasing uh, that kind of differential from a from a Liverpool player. Although I I really like that player. Yeah, no, I I do like him. Um, he's someone that I think we will keep an eye on him. Um, maybe after the blank, if I think that it's looking like you know he's definitely the guy. Because right now it feels like he's nailed that spot for himself. And I was very shocked to see that lineup with Salah, Mane and Diaz, um, with Mane playing through the middle. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was not something I expected. Um, I guess the next thought is, actually, we'll wait for captaincy metrics to talk about that. I, I won't talk about Salah, Trent and um, also Kane yet. I think there's a lot of good stuff to come from all of them. Um, mm. Should we have a quick final look at um, the zonals? Just going 29 and beyond his game of 29 to 32. Um I think we've talked about the key teams in 29 being Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, um, Everton have a juicy double if you're on a free hit, I think, personally. Um, you know, do you bench boost? Do you not? But um, I think overall, outside of those teams, I, I, there's no one really I'd be targeting 29. But from a zonal point of view, so we're kind of talking about Everton. I'm just here on the left. They've got a free um, this week. And then in the second game, I think that is they've got a 2.5. Is, is that how you read it? Wolves and Newcastle? Yes. On the left-hand mm-hmm. side? Okay, so... <laughs> So I think from that perspective, um, is Richarlison someone who you would consider? Because that is someone that people I've seen talking about as like a really low differential punt 
to get for this game week? I've heard some compelling arguments for for uh, Richarlison, but I, I I don't know how you could go for a an Everton attacker even with those fixtures. I I think haven't we learned this lesson that you know players on bad teams even in a double game week is that they're just not good, right? One one yellow card and they're sitting on three. <laughs> exactly, we're looking at Watford, we're looking at Burnley. Like how how many times Leeds, is it going to take Southampton. this? <laughs> How many times are we gonna learn does it take to learn this lesson, right? So I just don't don't get Everton players <laughs> if you want to be happy. But on a I'm free not hit. But I guess even on a free hit, nine of your eleven's really? probably already gone with Liverpool, Spurs, and Arsenal. So it's kind of like you then have two spots. Exactly. And you've got yeah. players like Rafinha against Norwich, you've got you know Coutinho West Ham, you've got Broha Watford, um, you've got you know Chelsea defenders against Newcastle. You, you have Tony like, against Burnley. Yeah. You even have Tony against Burnley, who then also has a fixture the following week if you're not free hitting against uh, Leicester. So, no, I, I, fair enough. I, I'm just trying to see if I can convince anyone out there in the audience to tell us if you are buying an Everton player, please let us know. Um, the one I've heard is people going for Gordon. I think he's the only one that deserves any kind of shout out. He is so relatively cheap, yeah. cheap, and like he can be an enabler. They're likely to have two free double game weeks from 31 onwards. Uh, I think Everton are one of three teams that are going to have lots of fixtures to come after the international break. So me personally, like I'm going to be looking to move my Wolves players, my Leeds players, my Villa players, all of them out after game week 31. And mm. the teams I'll be targeting are the likes of Leicester, um, Everton and Burnley, because again, they might have another double-double. But um you know that's just going to be like a web course or corner radio that's that's about it um it won't be going balls deep but we'll talk about balls a bit later too um i think that's the zonals really um we could probably move on from here let's see um so we have obviously the roomy pick of the week i think this is a great we, we said we'd talk about him later in the show so we did skip over him in the arsenal section so i'm sure i'll let you take over Okay, so um, I'm sure you're very happy about this one, Nima. The roomie pick this week. Whoops, there's, there's my dog. I catch you. All right. <laughs> he gets on the show. Um, so so the quote is, and this is a quote actually. I, um, I, um, I, I, I posted this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago uh, to somebody that was kind of feeling quite badly about the situation in Ukraine and the, the Russian invasion and aggression there. So um, they were... So the, the quote is, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And and so the uh, the pick, Rumi pick of the week is Bukayo Saka. And, you know, I, I'm, I thought of him, obviously, because of the way he's playing. And what, what I see from him is he he dictates tempo, the tempo of the team from a, from a wide-ish, wide inside forward area. Usually the tempo of the, of the team is dictated somewhere in center mid, maybe a defender, um some but not not a player in this area unless it's a there are very few cases right it's pretty it's pretty rare for this for this to happen certainly for a 20 year old so he he suffered a heartbreaking penalty miss obviously as a teenager in the euros last summer um and so i i believe he has allowed the light to enter that wound and he's come back forged uh saka dictates the tempo of the team as a winger and which is a rare ability, certainly at his age. I'd like him to shine in two big, big home matches as Arsenal look to secure a top four spot. No, I, lo- I love that. Um, and I think just going back to kind of quotes from the manager. So, you know, I saw Arteta's presser afterwards. I watched the whole thing and they asked him, you know, do you think that what happened with England and the penalties, like, do you think that changed him? Do you think that's part of what we're seeing this season from him? Um, I think there's no doubt that he was 
having world-class moments even before the Euros and hence getting into the team and people thought he wouldn't make the final 25-man squad when he was in the like 32-man provisional squad and he made it and then they thought he'd be a bench warmer for Sancho and it was the other way around. So, you know, he's definitely shown that um, I think he was essentially what I'm getting at is he was world-class anyway in my eyes beforehand or had the potential. But that moment, I think what Arteta said was that it really changed him and what changed was that he realised how much people loved him and he was overwhelmed by the unconditional support he got. And he said, like Arteta said, you know, very few players will get to experience any moment like this in their career, let alone at that age. And then to also have that kind of satisfaction of knowing that, you know, your teammates, your countrymen, your fans, your own club, when you came back, everyone's there to support you and everybody loves you. And they love you so much no matter what happened. And I think that made him kind of realise that, you know, like there's more and he's got to keep going. And I think Arteta said, you know, you can see it. Football is his entire life. It's, it's, it's the only thing he lives for. And, you know, he wants to be here till the day he retires. He wants to be a one club man. So I just can't see how at 20 years old a play, like, as I say, it's shocking. We don't even talk about some of the stuff he does week in, week out, because yeah. we just see it every week now. And that level of consistency and the decision making I see from him, I never saw it from the likes of Walcott and Awobi and these guys when they played them um, Ox on the wings. And no. none of them had what he has in the final third. Um, and as you say, it's just fascinating because it's like everyone's always looking to him. Um, whenever we have the ball, like he is the key outlet. He's the runner. He's the one somehow getting on the inside forward position, getting the shots off. And if there was one criticism I had previously was on his kind of finishing, but he seems to be working on that too. So... Yeah. There's nothing but love for the guy. Like he's just his hard work and attitude and ethic. And I, I, I just love how the the team responds when when he when he penetrates. The team rushes into the space behind defenders. When he slows the ball down, you see you see people making good movements to give give everybody lateral options to make sure the ball keeps moving. He he. I mean, he also he'll drop back and he'll build it from the back. And I I, I just see him doing kind of everything. And I see him. I see everybody responding to this twenty year old. Even though he's he's not even the captain, right? Like I said, he's, he's yeah. the captain. Yet people respond to him like he's the leader, and uh, and, and, and they're and, all older than him, right? Like you got the likes of yeah. Tierney. Like he's obviously way more experienced as captain before in Scotland. He's won big trophies there. Um, you've got Odegaard, captain of his national team, just turned twenty three himself. But like mm. it's just crazy, and you see Martinelli constantly telling the press that like you know we're going to be one of the best teams in the world. We're going to be one of the best young teams in the world. We're super young. We've got ages to play together. And I think the other thing Arteta said is that you can see it more now. They all know who's going to do what. And if someone drops their shoulder, they know what he's going to do next. And yeah. I think the benefit of them having now had this season to play together is a kind of, it's very rare that Arsenal have had like a kind of an 11 that you could easily name week in, week out. So to have that yeah. core and to have them all playing, um, I'm glad. Um, also, I did like that Pepe came on and scored the winner against Wolves off the bench because mm -hmm. that also then keeps that pressure on Saka. And although, you know, Saka could play left wing to allow Pepe on the right or Pepe could play striker if Saka was bench one game. And, you know, personally for me, ideally, like Saka is the star man, um, as they say. And, you know, he's a very humble boy. Um, and I can't see him kind of getting distracted by the fame and doing what some other kind of very highly talented players cough cough eg balotelli have done in their lives where you know they could have been anything um and they kind of just didn't take it up from there with the work ethic so um i think just a final thought harry asked will he leave um 
I, I can't imagine he'd leave now. Um, there, there is already talks that the most important business of this summer will be his contract extension um, with Salibas and I, I believe Martinelli again. But so, you know, that, that, I think he, he, he is looking to stay. Um, he is a Champions League level player. I actually think that if we weren't in the Champions League, um, as Mike says there, like he could be gone like within a few years. I'd love him to stay, but I think we have to match his ambition. Um, he can't not be playing in the Champions League. Um, I think if Arsenal do make top four and we do buy a couple of players next year, we do get like a centre mid, we do get a striker, we do get a backup right back. Um, for me personally, like people are going to be surprised at what they see from Arsenal because I don't think there's very good technical teams in Europe. I think a lot of the teams like Madrid and the other clubs that we're seeing in Europe in the Champions League, they're kind of not as technically great as they were. There's only really, for me, Liverpool and City and Chelsea, I think of them as technically great teams and maybe Bayern. And I think if Arsenal do go into the top four with the likes of Saka a year older by then, I, I like it's going to be a bold claim. I'll call it now. You guys can clip it. The more he grows, the further he'll carry Arsenal on his back. So for me, we I, I, I like it's a bold claim, but I'm calling semi-final if Arsenal get into the top four. This is semi-final of UCL next year. I, I genuinely don't believe that the teams that I've been watching the Champions League, like the Bayern I saw, City would destroy them if they played them. Um, there are very few technically good teams, and I think we're building a very technically good, gifted team of young players, and there's more of them to come and keep growing together. Um, he, he's like the star man. Like I, I can't imagine him leaving personally. Um, like we'd have to be really bad. Like we'd have to be super below the expectations that he has of himself for him to leave. And I don't think we're there yet. Like the project just began. It's a five-year squad cycle. This is year one. They've played twenty games together, maybe. So I think there's a lot of good times to come yet. But yeah, so that's Saka. Um, I think we'll quickly take some water and we'll just do this a uh, little clip with the strategic partnership about all about FPL.com. So. Before we go, I'm also going to get something ready because we have a very good announcement for our poolers today. Um, we've got one month off of coming, but in the meantime, let's just show the what are you waiting for? Are you craving more FPL content? Then look no further than allaboutfpl.com. Head over there for weekly articles from some of the top content creators on the planet. So what are you waiting for? Head over to allaboutfpl.com the website for all your fpl needs all right nice one so um i think before we kind of go into it too much i just want to kind of we talked about this a few weeks ago we said we we're going to do a little trial with the guys over at manscape so really happy oh. we are partnering with them actually and they've brought support for this episode of net that hall and the next few for the coming month so they've given all of the hosts some of their products so some of their lovely products we're going to be trying out so I have my uh, lawnmower 4.0 here, so I'll talk to you a little bit about my very personal experience of using it. I didn't want to discuss product I've never used. Them. This is an ad. They have gifted us these products, um, and in exchange, we've been given a kind of 20% off discount and free shipping that we'll put in the YouTube video description using code NTH20. So we will talk about that. But the, the kind of the breaking news for me was when my package arrived, the performance kit, I kind of opened this and it was the big daily news and it was the we save balls. So I think, you know, hairy balls are very gross. And essentially, I've had some very bad experiences with previous shavers. I'm not going to lie. I'm growing up as an Iranian. I've been very conscious about how hairy we are as a people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to come to the city and say the manscapes brought confidence in me that 
you know, <laughs> it overcomes my Iranianness and the hairiness. So really, what for anyone who doesn't know who Manscaped is, because I'm laughing like you would know, but obviously some of you might be new to the channel or you might be new to men's grooming products. Um, rule number one, don't use the same shaver you use for your face, for your groin. So this is where Manscaped comes in. Um, they are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package which we have. Um, so, you know, you come and join 4 million men worldwide and go and um, net those balls, as Mariner was saying. I know, Gabe, well, uh, you received the product before me, didn't you? I had to wait a whole week to... I've, I've been using so I've been using it for a little while, and here at Net the, Net That Hall, we're saving the balls, save the balls at Net That Hall, um, and this <laughs> this is um, so I've been using it for a little while, and and this is what's happened. I was I was gifted this, so wow, now that, that's a big moment. This, yeah, this is a this is a mug um, that that was gifted to me that says you're my favorite cardio workout. So. I, I attribute it, you know, correlation does not imply causation, Anima, but I'm going to imply it this time because it makes me feel good. <laughs> um, because thanks to, to uh, <laughs> thanks to Manscaped, I now have uh, a beautiful mug and I am someone's uh, favorite cardio workout. So, no, so shave those balls. I'm glad the you hair, read hair is not good. Listeners. Hair is not good in any dish, in any meal. No, so get definitely rid of the not. hair. Yeah, no, but, I, but I think on, on that note, so not only is the lawnmower 4.0 so great, because I think from my personal experience, I've always been kind of quite heavy handed and clunky and I got a few nicks and that kind of then scares me about the lawn mowing down there. So I don't kind of do the manscaping enough. And th then, you know, with this product, I feel like I can use it anytime, easy to travel with. And I guess it's the future of grooming. So dare I say it's the greatest ball trimmer ever. It's the future of relationships. Just, just invest in your relationship. Get it done. Net that haul. Go to manscaped.com. Uh, the, co the code is NTH20, NTH20, or NTH20 if you uh, live where Nima lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I pronounce it very differently. Um, I think just a kind of final thought I would say. So the, the other product I was really impressed by, Gabe, so another personal experience is um, I started going on a lot more walks, hitting up the gym, trying to work on kind of reaching a new weight target. And... Um, Shafing is a real pet hate of mine. Um, these long walks with the dog, they, 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 you know, the shafing is, in, it's just, I can't handle it anymore. So I guess what I really saw that I didn't expect to get with this uh, case was they also have their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop revival ball toner. So, you know, that's going to change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Um, trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. <laughs> but anyway, so as I say, so that's the ad. Um, we're glad to be working with them. It turns out the demographic in YouTube is 99% male. So shout out to the 1% of the women, the haulers out there. We've not forgotten you. You can still use the 20% off to get this as a great Valentine's Day gift, birthday gift, Easter weekend's coming up, um, Persian New Year on the 19th and 20th of March. You know, it's a great any gift reasons, for a Friday. Yeah, just get the any, weekend any started right. to give your man the same confidence that we've gained. But um, yes. Yeah, so as I say, for men and for women alike, but thank you for Manscaped for the partnership. We'll put the code in the uh, YouTube video description for anyone on podcasts. And um, yeah, it's just manscaped.com, 20% off and free international shipping with NTH20. So I think we're ready to go into the part of the show now where we kind of look at some of the captaincy numbers. And from there, we have a couple of questions on Twitter I'm going to run through, Gabe. And I think we'll then take a few live questions and we will 
get out of here. So captaincy metric, I'll put it back up on the screen. Um, it's currently at 79%. Um, I can see the Salah Blank is just written there because <laughs> Mariner is really distraught about... He wasn't distraught about his game week and his OR dropping. He just messaged me and said, the fucking captaincy metric has failed again. He was not happy about this. So I, I can see no. why he's not here today. Um, without further ado then, um, do you want to take us through the metric and kind of the top five candidates, I would say? They're the most interesting so here, yes, very, some interesting. Well, obviously Salah is is top at, with ninety six. But look at we have a Robertson and Kane coming in at um, second, uh, tied for second at ninety three on the captaincy metric, and then we have a what is it a two way tied tie for third as well, or I guess that would be fourth um, with Trent and Reese James. So Reese James is obviously injured; he'll be out for a little while. So we have Salah, Robertson, Robertson, Kane, then Trent. And then a little ways down at 89, we have Son and Saka together. Um, Saka kind of climbing his way up this metric. I mean, I, no surprises really here at the top, except for I, I am surprised Robertson is is so high. Um, that scares me knowing I can't get anywhere near. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Whole percentage, 50%. I think that's probably what does it, right? Um, yep. The 92% return rate, damn. Um, no, Robertson's been fantastic. Um, I think because Trent's been doing so well, they say he's four assists off um, a, the season with the most assists for a defender ever. Hmm. Um, so he's having an incredible year. But, um, you know, it's kind of meant that Robertson's gone under the radar, I think. And actually, he's been one of the best assets in the game for a while now, for at least the last six to ten game weeks. Um, I'm very gutted at those who can afford to go James straight to Robertson, I'll, I'll be honest. And what I do love, something I'll say about the capacity metric is, I also always look for it to see how many of them I have. So even if I'm not going to captain them, well, obviously seeing mm -hmm. the likes of Saka in there, seeing the likes of Rafinha, they, they make me happy. It's good to know that they are so highly touted for this game week. Um, you know, And the single fixture for Mount, he's still up there. The Bruyne is still there. As you say, Cancelo, if he's fit on Monday. I think it, this, this always re reassures me as well that the double alone is not enough to be blindsided by. Like It, it is worth playing your single game week because as people learn... Um, with yeah. the pain of benching Saka and Trent in double game week 28, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I have... Um, th that's a great point you bring up. You want as many of, of these players in your team as possible. I have six out of the top 10, and I, I'm really happy about that, you know, double game week players. Um, but yeah, you know, never forget about the single ones that have proven uh, quite useful in, in recent weeks, even for sure. Free hit. Definitely even on free hit, I think. Even on free hit, Yeah. Matty Cash not mentioned this by his heroes. Um, I think it'll be very difficult for Villa player to end up on this uh, metric for the capacity for game week 29 without a double. Um, it'll be very tough for him to get up here. But his points were off the charts. I'm not going to lie. Um, my, my friend had him and it was pretty much the only saving grace of his game week. Um, mm. Like he, he stayed adrift, dr just didn't frown because of that one player. I think you're 24 or 28 points in the end something disgusting like that Gabe so yeah Matty Cash good old Matty Cash yeah. um, obviously with Reese out here um, I think the Reese to Robbo it, it just looks so obvious doesn't it um, I know it's not a move towards game week 30 um, but I would take it I think the way I would look at it is that I would treat this double for Liverpool as one fixture in 29 one in 30 mm. you're still getting the same as someone like a Wolves player who's got one fixture in 29 and one fixture in 30. So even if you didn't have a Reese James to sell, I would consider like selling your Wolves defender 
to get to Robertson. That would still be like, that's one of the highest upside moves for me this game week, uh, personally. Yeah, I agree. I def- chase that upside. Um, I think this season has taught us that. Chase that upside. Get, get in, in those um, those higher upside players and, and play the game week in front of you. You know, we, we were talking about earlier about like we the best knowledge we have is the one that's right in our immediate vicinity. So, um, it, so there it is. And Robertson is that high upside play in a double game week. Easy, easy pick. Worry about game week thirty when game week thirty comes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think is there any? I'm trying to see if there's anyone else here. With so Mane is an interesting one. I know some people who have him. Um, I don't know how they still have him and Salah, but. They somehow squeezed him into their team, talking about our friend FPL Pig, the singing Dutchman. But um, every week he's looking to sell Mane, and every week something happens that he ends up keeping him another week. So I think maybe he'll eventually get rid of him for a Leicester mid in game week 30. But um, there was talk of a big hit to sell him on and get like a Spurs mid maybe this week or an Arsenal mid this week. Um, I think for me, if I had De Bruyne still as well, like he's someone that I would just hold on to. I think it's not worth moving off him for this game week just because right. he doesn't have a double. But no, I think the capacity metric this week is pretty um, clear. Like, I- I'm personally on Salah. Um, it's I'm not going to go for a defender. So Kane, I was going to say, is the other one I'd think about because mm-hmm. I already have him. But um, yeah, it's tough because Kane has incredible ends to the season every season as well. I think it's tight between, for me, it's tight between Salah and Kane. I, I'll I'll definitely go Salah because I'm sticking with the metric. Um, even 79% is way better than I ever do on my own. So I'm just using that as a crutch. <laughs> and, um, you know, both teams play away. Both both matches are away for both teams. I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a fine line be- between the two, and I wouldn't begrudge anybody going Kane. Yeah, no, I, I really do like the Kane shot. How about for those who are triple captaining? My, my question would be just before we park the captaincy section is, um, is Game Week 29 still the best week to triple captain? So, like, if you had it and you'd, let's say, wildcarded in 26, like, do you still like these two fixtures away for Liverpool, um, you know, Brighton and Arsenal? Like, do we still go for Salah? Um, do we still go, or do, even Kane for his double? But Or do we wait? Is there, like, a better double? Because 36, you know, City could have two great games. But beyond that, I don't really see any other game. Because I had a look and all the big teams, um, they have one good fixture, one okay fixture. Like, you know, I feel like Salah right now, like chasing the title, this is as good a time as any personally. But yeah, do, like, would you say like that like 36 is viable if you let's say you've already bench boosted and therefore you have gaming 36 free for something else for a different chip? I mean, if 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 that's the situation you're in, then you're just gonna have to lay in that bed. But I I think this is the you have to attack this game with, with the triple. We, we don't know what game week 36 is going to look like in terms of players, injuries, teams like, on the like beach. They might be like out of the competition in the league, as you say. Um, there's only two weeks left. They're focusing on Champions League. There's a or... lot more variance in the later we get in the season. So take take the sure thing that this week. If you still we can. know what Liverpool need now. We saw that and talking yeah. of quotes. Again, my final thought on this section then is we saw the Salah quote. He was like, you know, I hit the crossbar twice and maybe next game I'll score three goals. So, and that's about the Brighton game he's talking about. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Like, if the person I was going to captain or triple captain was saying, I hit the post twice, so next game I'll score three. That's the exact kind of thing I want to be hearing out of the guy's mouth mm-hmm. before I pop mm-hmm. my once in a season triple captain. So, I would just go for it. Um, yeah, I think I'd be going that way. So, 
before we go into the questions from um, the Twitter, there's like three or four questions I'll read. But if you guys in the live chat can start to get any final questions you have for the game, we'll try to get out of here about one hour 30. So in the meantime, um, just a couple of the shout outs to the guys who have made me laugh. They've said, um, I think Mr. A, after a bad game week, use Manscaped to come back stronger. So, yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> Push yeah, your confidence. From, yeah, if you, if you find out at one of these FPL meets... I'm going to do a live shaving demonstration. Marin is coming again, I think. So he's still in the UK. And he's not gone back to Singapore. And I've promised about 40 FPL managers that he's going to use the lawnmower live in the pub. Um, so let's see how that goes and whether we get kicked out. Mm. <laughs> I might upload it as a video for the viewers later in the uh, mem- members area only. Members um, area, yes. Yeah, I can't, I can't publicly shame Mariner, but all the haulers, you, you can see him for the little cost of £2. <laughs> so let's just play the capsule metric uh, thing and we'll go I'll get the questions up in the meantime in the background okay great so that is the end of the slides um so we've got a question from uh at kpi ellsworth so fpl red mist so he was asking ramsdale or dubravka this game week um I think a lot of people are in this situation they have both keepers they're not bench boosting like i am mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to just start one mm-hmm. personally i still think that that leicester game for arsenal with Vardy missing could be a nice clean sheet um also did show they can keep a clean sheet against liverpool with 10 men in the cup earlier in the season and um, just in january and obviously my salary back but overall i i, I think arsenal's defense is very well structured um I would not personally be starting Dubravka over Ramsdale in the double game week. Um, he, you know, it's two home fixtures for Ramsdale at the Emirates. I, I just can't, like, play Dubravka. I think Dubravka's week was last week, um, and that's the week I played him over Ramsdale. But this, yeah, this week I, I would be playing Ramsdale personally. Better keeper, better team, two home games, play Ramsdale. Mm-hmm. And then the second question from FPL Red Mist is, should they start Broho with a single fixture or Mopai with a tough double? Um, since seeing this message nine hours ago, someone told me some some sort of murmurs about Mopai not being fit for double game of 29. So mm. I double-checked that. If that's the case, the fixtures are horrible anyway um, for Brighton. They are genuinely disgusting. Um, I would probably still play Broho against Watford. Um, I, I would rather go that way. But yeah, yeah okay. check Mopai's fitness status. And then the final two questions are so from at Vardy Boys, another old friend of the show. Uh, which combo would you guys prefer between Robertson and Martinelli or Saka and Doherty plus one million in the bank? So Robertson and Martinelli or Saka and hmm. Doherty? Saka and Doherty. Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree with the one million oh. in the bank, more flexibility later. Although I might, I, I might, I mean, it depends on what his plans are and everything. I, I might do Saka and Matip. Okay, so to still get the Liverpool get defense Liverpool. rather. I, the reason I like the Saka Doherty is just because he's buying free fixtures from each of them in two game weeks. So you're getting like six fixtures in two game weeks. Um, and one of those game weeks is a big blank. So I really like that. Robert yeah. and Martinelli, you know, what if Smith rotates Martinelli's spot? Yeah. in one of those doubles or in the blank in 30 when you really need him and then Robbo also isn't playing in 30 so I think that like I, I consider that the higher upside maybe but I think it's also much riskier and the way we talked about Saka he has the highest XGI per 90 of all the Arsenal players now season long and he, he's the one I'd want in my team so maybe 
if you can stretch Doherty to someone else from the Liverpool defence, that, that that's perhaps the more appealing. And the final question from Tom Jones before we go to the live stream questions is so at FPL Tom Jones. So ahoy there, would you who would you pick if you already own Lacazette and Saka? So Odegaard or Martinelli? Um, I'm aware triple Arsenal attack is a little over the top. I have 5.6 million maximum to spend on a midfielder upgrade for Ramsey. And I'd rather buy a Spurs defender, i.e. Doherty, than White. So I assume he's got two Spurs, two Arsenal, wants to get rid of Ramsey despite him playing in 30 because the fixtures are currently West Ham away and then Arsenal, so they're not great. Um, and he's trying to buy three fixtures out of a kind of mid, so Odegaard or Martinelli, and he'd rather mm-hmm. have Doherty than White to get the triple, triple, so two triple, sorry. So I, I think for me, just based on what we said earlier, Odegaard would be who I would go for. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a little bit more expensive. And the fact that he's just in your price point, I would go for the nailedness of Odegaard personally. Um, and he has shown that he is, alongside Saka, the most important part of our attack right now. So Martinelli is fantastic, but I think that there is a genuine risk there. And I don't think he needs to be played into the ground when there is Smith Rowe just waiting. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but based on what we said earlier, that that right side triangle with the Odegaard, uh, Saka, and and Lacazette is that that's where you want to be in terms of your your attacking assets. Yep. So just to then go to the live stream question. So just a couple of minutes before we head. So we have. Um, Okay, this one I'll read out just for the banter, but I'm not going to answer it from FPL Dallas. So Bruno Large pondering, Will Bolly, False Nine, Triple Captain Shout. So <laughs> I, I, like, I hope people are looking to get off the Wolves' defence at this stage. I don't know if I'd be buying one who's returned from a long-term injury, um, but I imagine the Triple Captain Shout is tongue-in-cheek. Solomon T asks, um, so we will ask Mariner about this for you to run these numbers and have a little look. Mm. It is quite an interesting question. I'd love to know myself as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if the metric ignored the first seven to 10 game weeks, would Salah still be top of the captaincy metric? So we don't know today. Um, we will find out for the next show. We have at FPL, uh, DGBoy88. Is bench boost good with uh, Saar against Everton away? Rudiger against, Rudiger against Newcastle home. Rafinha, Norwich home. And Broho, Watford home. So no double game week is there. But I think... At least the free outfield players, they all have great home fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves against Everton isn't that bad, um, but, you know, it's not that exciting either. So what what, what do you think? I, I think if that was me, like, I know they're not double game weekers, but maybe he has like 9, 10, 11 double game weekers in his 11. So mm-hmm. if you do, then yeah, go for it. Like, there's not going to, you're not going to get a bigger accumulation of fixtures piled up in one bench boost. And if you've only got like, say, four doublers, and then you're bench boosting this, I would maybe look at your benching headaches and post us a screenshot of your 15-man squad um, because it, it looks good on paper, but it's hard to say without... Like, I don't know, like, should these players all be starting in your 11? And do you actually have, like, bad players you're starting? Like, do you have, like, Ramsey starting against West Ham in your 11 and he's right. actually your bench boost? Because, yeah, I, like, I don't know how you've set up the bench. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to assume this is a rational human being that's, that puts the best players on the pitch and the worst players okay. on the bench. And and if if you do it a different way, then uh, then you're going to get a, a, the wrong answer. But but I, I think this this team is bench boost worthy, for sure. I, I think so. And so he says Saw, White, Ramsey, and Bro. So I think maybe in this scenario, he's then putting White and Ramsey on the bench to put um, 
to put the other two from mm. previously, Rudiger and Rafinha, into the eleven. So I think for me that would probably be more likely. Like I would, I would probably look at the bench boost as White, Ramsey, and Broha, not the other way around. Like I would not be benching Rudiger anyway. So if I wasn't bench boosting, I would be playing Rudiger against Newcastle. And if I wasn't bench boosting, I'd be playing Rafinha against Norwich, I think. So mm -hmm. yeah. with that in mind, do you still think the bench boost is good with those players? Uh, Not so much, no. White, no. It doesn't look as appealing no. with White and mm -hmm. Ramsey, does it? No, I mean, Ramsey ruins it. I think so. I think, Ramsey ruins bro, it. I think Saar and Broher, they're still both good. And White has the four appearance points in him and maybe a clean sheet. But it's just that final slot. It's like, I don't know. Um, equally, you know, do you still have a wild card? Because if you're going to wild card later on, then maybe that game with 36 is a better time for you. But mm. I I'm still relatively happy. I think it's a tough coin flip decision. Yeah, I ear on the side of if you've wild carded in recent weeks, I would just go for it because now we know who's going to play. We know what the teams need to play for. We don't know what it will be like later in the season. You can focus on a stronger eleven going forward. So mm -hmm. personally, I'd still steer towards the 50% to mm -hmm. go for it. Um, final question from FPL Dallas um, before we go. Which one should I pick to start this game week? Matty Cash, Thiago Silva or Ollie Watkins? I'm going to have a look at what some of these guys are, who some of these guys mm. are playing against. <laughs> well, oh, gosh. Villa, Villa has West Ham. Right. Yeah, so that's uh, the Villa West Ham away. Chelsea has Newcastle, so I say yeah, play uh, play Thiago Silva. See what worries me with the Rudiger rest is like, does Thiago now end up being the one to miss game week twenty nine? But I guess if he maybe. does, he won't be subbed on, right? He won't so, be subbed on. Yeah. So the good news is you then still get maybe Matty Cash anyway. Um, I'm just having a look at. Yeah. See, so in that scenario, I, I don't think I play. Yeah, I think it would have to be Thiago or Watkins for me personally. Um, I know Cash just had his massive 29-pointer, but um, I'm not sure I'd be playing Cash over Oli Watkins or, from his own team or even Thiago. Or, or even honest. Thiago against Newcastle. I, I think he, he's first and then, yeah. Yeah, let's start him. And this final piece from the, um, the bench we were talking about. So, Broha, Watford, Rafinha, Norwich, both not Yeah, So, these two were the two that really screwed me this week because they both blanked. Um, they got appearance points, got yellow for Rafinha right at the end of the game. Kulusevsky sitting there with 10 points in the first bench slot, laughing at them, saying, like, you know, Spurs versus Everton. I knew Everton were bad. Like, why did I chase these double game weekers? And, <laughs> but equally, I just, like, Broher had been looking good. I thought he could do something. Rafinha, I thought maybe, like, he'd hit the ground running with the new manager, but... Norwich is a bad enough fixture that I would be playing Rafinha over Broher if so I didn't. Too. If I was you and he didn't bench boost, I would bench White, Ramsey, and Broher and not bench boost if you don't bench yeah. boost them. Definitely play Rafinha and all of this. Um, but yeah, so I think that's the show for today. That's a wrap. Um, as I mentioned, um, we are going to be putting the capacity metric and the zonals and the FTRs on the community section for the members. So thank you to the five haulers so far who've signed up and support the channel to help us grow and get better tools for next year. And Lots of exciting data that's coming that we will talk about in the next few episodes and um, some exciting partnerships, not just the ones where we're saving lives and shaving balls. But um, <laughs> don't forget, obviously, um, to hit the like, please, if you enjoyed the show and you've had a good game week with us. Um, do hit subscribe if you're new as well and hit the bell so you can keep up to date with the new streams coming. I think for the game week 30 show, just to give you a kind of prior warning this week, unlike the one that was very late notice this week. We will probably be going live at about 6.30 UK next Wednesday. 
I think that's Wednesday the 16th. It's um, the night before the fixtures in the double game week are played out. So I think it's just before Brighton Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool. So we decided to go before those matches. Um, so if you want to come and just have some entertainment, watch the lineups come in with us next week and start to see how game week 29 is unraveling as well. But in the meantime, thank you everyone for joining. Um, as I say, the Manscaped partnerships for the next month. So please do support us. Um, I think if we can get 10 sales in the first month, they will look to do a long-term partnership with us and support and sponsor the channel and give some money towards growing it and giving better tools for you all. So I don't know what you need to get. I don't think there is a minimum spend. So even if you just want some crop revivers and you don't need the whole lawnmower 4.0 experience, do have a look. But thank you guys. Um, see all of you that are coming on Saturday to the next FPR meets as well in London Bridge. If you are from London or the surrounding area and you want to join us, Mariner is still in the UK. It's your last chance to see the official founder of the show and our beloved co-host and Da Mariner himself. <laughs> Come and enjoy his top 100 season, which is what we're rooting him on for. And uh, have a beer with us. But um, otherwise, lovely to see everyone. Nice to catch up with you, Gabe, after a few weeks away myself as well. And we'll be back uh, next Wednesday, everyone. Um, in the meantime, have a great game week uh, 29 ahead. <laughs>